There will come a point in your life where your strength will be revealed. It may be in a single moment, or it may be over a prolonged period of time. It may come through a tragedy, an illness, an event, or a decision you are forced to make. Regardless of the circumstances, it will come. This podcast is dedicated to the stories of those who have already revealed their strength. It is meant to inspire you in your own life to persevere. This is Finding Strong, and it starts right now. What do you think of the intro there? Got a little teary-eyed. <laughs> That's how we're going to kick it off. Even, uh, get him going, huh? This is episode one of Finding Strong. Uh-oh. I'm Adam Field, and with me, our co-host, double world champion, Bellator light heavyweight world champion, and heavyweight world champion, Ryan Bader. What's up, guys? Glad to be here. Speaking of the podcast, I need to clear up something. I hope you can clear it up for me. I was watching the Joe Rogan podcast, and Will Harris was on there, the anatomy of a fighter guy. Mm-hmm. You, seen, you know him. You met yeah. him. He filmed you. And he was wearing eight-man and Rogan commented that Eight Man's owned by Ryan Bader. Correct. And, <laughs> and then I was watching the Fighter and the Kid podcast, and Brian Callen was on there in Ape Man, and he was talking about wearing Eight Man, and he commented that CB Dalloway owns Eight Man. <laughs> so which one of you actually owns Eight Man? Uh, Nolan and I kind of did a little deal behind your back. So I got a little piece of it, and then uh, CB works for me. Oh, I figured it was something like that. Yeah. I didn't know I was out. Is that why my paychecks have stopped? A little bit. It's good to know. So, yeah. It's no, all- we're here with, the, with one of the co-owners, right? I guess Adam, so, yeah. Adam Field with his brother. Noah, who doesn't like to be on the podcast? He's behind the camera here. So all the duties fall on me. So tell me about the podcast. What's, what's the podcast all about? Well, the podcast. What are we doing? What are we talking about? Well, we're going to talk about current events with you. Okay. I like your perspective on things because obviously you're a multiple world champion at this point, defended the title, and I like to see your mindset on all kinds of topics. I think because you're yourself, you probably don't recognize it, but for people that aren't world champions or haven't succeeded in sport like you have, it's interesting to see your perspective on a lot of things, gotcha. how you view the world. But more important than that, or equally important um, to that, would be we want to tell people stories of things that they've overcome in their life to inspire other people out there that are maybe in the middle of some type of dark event. Gotcha. That's really the purpose of the podcast, is to tell people stories to inspire others. And ideally, we would like to tell everyday people stories. So not just famous people or people that are going to... you might recognize, but someone that could be your neighbor, your coworker, or, you know, a friend of yours and tell their stories. Cause that to me is even more inspiring. Someone that maybe is an everyday average person in their life. And they're just having to get through with their job and their kids and whatever. And now they're overcoming some tragic event in their life too. Something attainable for everybody. Yeah. They yeah. can relate to it. I think more. Well, let's hear a little bit of, uh, your background, so <laughs> you're going to interview know. me. I was going to interview you. Well, that's fine, but they got to know who you are first and foremost. That's true. You have a pretty interesting story from commercial real estate. True. So getting out of that, starting this company, and you know, doing your your uh, little jog hikes up the mountain. <laughs> <laughs> but your, but your, uh, you know, your hundred mile runs, all that kind of stuff. Kind of dive into a quick recap. A quick recap. So. I graduated from ASU uh, with a business marketing degree in 1997. And at that point, my focus and what I wanted to do, like everything coming out of college from business was you're going to make a million dollars, you want to make money. So I gravitated towards commercial finance and real estate. And I just, I don't even know that I ever loved that career, but I like the idea of doing big transactions, multi-million dollar transactions with people and wearing a suit every day and carrying my briefcase into the office. And I felt like I was doing something. Um, The thing is for me with that though, it was extremely stressful. And while the money is good, if you're not, if it's not fulfilling to you internally, it doesn't matter. It's like just a job and it becomes like any other job you have. So 
I did that all the way through. So 97 through really 2008, the company was growing. I had two business partners. We were in multiple states and running this, this whole commercial real estate company and development side and finance side and everything. And then as a lot of you know, the market crashed in 08. August of 08, the entire market crashed. The real estate market crashed. The stock market was crashing. The financial markets were crashing. I remember George Bush getting on TV and saying that we're going to have to pump up the banks. And I went from this big company to my income completely stopping. And that was in 08. And then I went through this downward spiral of of a fi- financial woes where I almost lost everything. My house, my car, I, I couldn't pay any of the bills. Um, and really out of necessity, I started to come down here to the eight man building, which was not eight man at the time. And my brother was, had a t-shirt printing business, a screen printing business. And I would come help him to make money. Mm-hmm. He'd pay me, you know, for the hour to come out and whatever, whatever I was to come to here. So I was working for the, I worked, I went to work what for a bank. Business? It's called the flop shop. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, it was, it's the same thing we're doing now as far as screen printing t-shirts, but, um, it was for a variety of different companies, mostly like construction companies or landscaping and anyone that needed shirts for their business, we would print here. So in doing that every day and hanging out down here, I kind of got back to feeling like I did when I was younger and I had inspirations for things in my life. You know, when you're little and you're a kid, you have all the inspirations in your life for what you want to do and be. And then as you get older, you kind of, I don't know, they fall away or you lose track of those. You just get into that daily grind of life. So being around my brother every day and being down here, we started talking about our own apparel line. So um, this was 2000. 13, I want to say, we started talking about doing our own apparel line, what would it be, and coming up with names, and, and we were lifting weights, we had a gym down here, and we would lift weights in the afternoons, and so we started thinking, let's do a, an apparel line that's about weightlifting or powerlifting specifically, and we came up with 8-Man, and we launched it at the end of 2014, and within, within a year of that, or even six months maybe of that, it started to grow and take off enough to where I completely left real estate. I completely left the job at the bank and we just have been doing this full time since. But if you have something you're passionate about, like eight man for me and writing the quotes that we write and my brother does all the art and it's people are writing back to you on direct message or email or whatever, seeing how much the brand is helping them in their life and they were going through a dark spot and someone gave them a card of ours with a meaning on it. It meant so much. And they, you know, those type of things then really drive you and make you want to come in every day and work and do more and grow. Absolutely. That's so, why I think you guys are kind of different too with, instead of just being, you know, we're a brand, we're a t-shirt company, you know, you have that, those messages and people have you know, hit me up on social media saying how, you know, with me being we are the owner the company you're the owner of how it's you know inspired them change it or they went through this you know and so you know i think uh um how you're laying out the podcast and how you know you kind of just gave us your finding strong moment you know and uh put your life into a trajectory where you wanted to go instead of going down that same path or whatnot you know mm-hmm. i think all of us when you come out of college or you know uh into your early twenties, you get out and you're like, all I want to do is just make money and have this and have that. And then as it goes on, you realize, you know, that's not really what's important. I have to be fulfilled. I have to be happy. You know, then families comes along, kids come along and you realize kind of what, what's important in life. So hundred percent. I want to know about you though. Cause I was thinking about this the other day. At what point in your life do you decide, I do realize that you're a great athlete compared to the other kids your age. Is it like really young? Was it not till high school? Yeah, it was, it was pretty young. Um, you, you know, when you're a kid, you're just, when you're, you know, from seven to 11, basically, you're just kind of, you're thrown into a bunch of different sports and you're kind of feeling what you like and all that. And, but, and, and I wasn't a, a great athlete then, but um, when I, I was into wrestling since I was about seven, eight years old. And after a while, you know, with wrestling, it needs to be kind of like a year round sport. And so once I really started, you know, focusing on that and started doing it year round, I was getting really good at it. You know, that's when I kind of realized probably around 
11, 12, 12 years old, realized I was a good athlete, at least a good wrestler. And I was a good football player too. You know, baseball, I kind of dropped when I got into high school, but you know, by the time I was a freshman in high school, you know, I was a, I was a really good athlete. You know, I was winning different tournaments and we travel, you know, for wrestling. I was a good football player, you know, got onto the freshman, played on the freshman football team, whatever. But by my sophomore year, I was on varsity, got pulled up to varsity and and we were a good school. You were player of the year or something as a in high school and football, Yeah, defensive player of the year. And it was all state a couple of times and all that for a linebacker. Um, you know, and I love football, but I, I loved athletics, you know. And, and wrestling is one of those things I, I, I did love and I do love, but it's a grind, too, at the same time, yeah. you know. And I think that's where what has helped me, you know, get me to where I am today. You know, but, you know, it's, it's a year-round deal. Um, you know, I, I was – running three miles twice a week as a, you know, as a little kid, you know, plus going to wrestling practice and all that, and then football practice, you know, so I put on my time, but I, I realized kind of in high school that, you know, I was a good athlete and I was definitely was always a good wrestler. Um, but then the football thing came out and it, by the time I was a senior, you know, a couple of times state champ and, and I was Nevada defensive player of the year on the top 25 in the nation football team. You know, we went 14 and 0 and I, I was like, man, I really want to play football. More yeah. than more than wrestle. More than wrestling, because wrestling is a it's a lonely sport. You right. Know? You're out there alone. Yeah, you're training with your team, you know. But you know, you're cutting weight by yourself. But, you know, it all comes down to you. Right. And I like that about that sport. But football is fun. You're with your buddies. You're out there. It's the glory days, you know. Um, and we had a good football team, so I was kind of set on trying to play football in college. I had some interest from you know Boise State um, and some s- smaller. Um, D2 schools, and then some of the top JCs. And I I'm, I'm, was kind of thinking, why don't I go to these? It was, it was number one and number two, the, J, the junior college schools, mm-hmm. and go to a really big school after you know, three years after. Um, because I was 195 pounds, I was a middle linebacker, wasn't overly fast, but I could play. Once I got tape in the hands of the coaches, they were like, oh, you can play, you know, but they look at your stats on paper. Right. But anyway, so we, you know, the, I was had that set in my head. I went to one last wrestling tournament where it's the first um, place winners from every state all together in a, a super tournament and then end up getting in third. I lost to a guy that was a three-time national champ, you know, went on to be a, a three-time national champ in D1. And I was like, okay, maybe, you know, I'll get some really good interest. And, you know, sure enough, I had uh, a lot of schools come in. I, I had Oregon that was offering a full scholarship. ASU was right there. Went up to Oregon, kind of. Kind of liked it. I liked the facilities on that. Oregon really wasn't my style. I went down to ASU, walked down Palm Walk. That's you everyone's know, style. Everybody's style. It's, it's not your style. I don't know what to <laughs> tell you. You know, and, and uh, it was in April, so it was perfect, you know, and I, and I love the, the group of guys that we had, too, that were wrestling there at the time. And so I knew right when I was down there I, I wanted to wrestle for ASU, and the football kind of was in the back of my mind, you know, because I, I ended up getting a pretty much a full scholarship to come to wrestle and, and yeah. come to, you know, Tempe. I'm from Reno, Nevada. You know, it, it's, it was snowing in there in April and I was down here on Palm Walk and it was, you know, 85 degrees. And, you know, so I came down here and, and, uh, you know, just decided to, to wrestle and give it a go. And, you know, little did I know it would lead to, you know, mixed martial arts and everything that came with that, you know, but there was a time, there was a time in, in, uh, my collegiate wrestling career where, I was kind of done. It was my junior year. You know, CB Dalloway was my training partner. There was Kane Velasquez there, you know, a bunch of guys. And and uh, I was just burned out, done it my whole life. Yeah. College wrestling is a grind. And nowadays, they're smart enough where they give their athletes a couple of days off. But back then, it was still that gray, that right on the edge where they didn't really, you know, know about recovery too much and all that. So they just, just push, push, they push. Just, yeah, just kicked us down every chance they got, you know, and just go through it, go through it. Um, so I was kind of burned out. So my sophomore year, I did really well, you know, um, one pack tens, all that. I was fourth in the nation, you know, as a sophomore, I was ranked number one at one point against, if you looked at the list the guys on there went on to do really well in the world turn, you know, world scene, yeah. all that kind of stuff. Junior year, I shit the bed, you know, I came in, I'd rather, I was watching all my friends go on spring break and I was like, I kind of want to do that too, you know? And I'm like, I had that in my head, just like feeling sorry about for myself. And 
both CB and I went out there and, and did not perform well at nationals, you know, and, and we we're fine about it. We we're happy about it. We're like, yeah, we're done. You know, and then um, my senior year, I was like, I'm not going out like that. You know, I'm, I'm going to find whatever it is and get back to it. And, and I remember, you know, uh, one of my buddies and my ex-coaches at the time, a former UFC fighter, Aaron Simpson, he's like, hey, you need to go back and, and uh, start winning like how you were winning, you know, 4-3, you know, 4-2. Just, you know, that's, that's where you're best, you know. And because I was getting to the point where I wanted to be up 7-0, you know. So I went back to that and ended up, you know, uh, becoming an All-American again uh, my senior year and, and closing that chapter in, in my life, you know. And I was like, I'm done. I don't, I don't ever want to go to the gym unless I want to go to the gym. Yeah. All my life I was told when to be there, how right. hard to work, what I need to do, what I couldn't do, you know, and then um, I went out and got a sales job, you know, and I was thinking, you know, I might go to law school, all that kind of stuff, just like kids come out, they don't know what they want to do, you right. know, so I was doing business to business sales for about seven months. During that time, I went into, you know, Arizona Combat Sports and started training a little bit, really just to keep in shape, but in the back of my mind, I was like, I'm probably going to test it out at some point, and then uh, had an opportunity to take a fight. Like sure, I'm gonna do it, you know, and and because uh, I missed I missed that competition, I yeah. missed working for something and getting the result, you know, and so um, I trained for this fight, went out there, and I fought this dude, um, and, it, and it's it's fun to talk about that like, you're gonna fight, and then when it, it's actually yeah, there, I'm thinking about that you're right like, now. You're like, oh shit, it's <laughs> it's happening. That dude, this isn't sparring. You know, that dude's over there trying to take my head off, but luckily. Uh, you know, I was fighting at 205, and, and we rolled into weigh-ins, and this dude was like 184, I think. Oh, he weighed in. Yeah. Long ponytail, wore a rash guard during the fight. They get some, like, prison tattoos or whatever. Yeah. Um, but we were in the back, and we were watching him through the curtain. He's, he was hitting mitts, and his ponytail came and whipped him in his eye. <laughs> and he went down. And I was no! Like, oh. So it was the best first fight anybody could ever have because I went out there and beat him up, you know. But um, So and, and I'm going to end this pretty quickly, but just as far as, like, you know, I was in that weird transition as far as, you know, I still had a job. What am I going to do? Am I able to do this full-time MMA? Right. You know, because that for that fight, I made 120 bucks. You know, that's yeah, it. Yeah, you can't live and on that. No, you know, and so um, I fought a couple different times after that, but it was the same. I made 200 and 200. Uh, I made nothing for one, and I went down to Cayman Islands, and and uh, I won five grand, oh. which I thought I was rich. You yeah. Know? And, uh, at the time I come back and I had a girlfriend at the time and, and, uh, she thought I was going to propose and I bought a big screen TV because <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't ready to go down that path. And then we're, we're done after that. Um, but, uh, you know, I, I was still working, but there was a time when some sponsors came up to, to our team at the time and was like, Hey, we'll give you a small monthly sponsorship. And, you know, it was just barely enough to like pay your rent basically. And we weren't making anything from fighting either. Right. We're making yeah. a couple hundred bucks if we got fights, you know? So I kind of, I had to like kind of reflect and like, where, where do I, what do I want to do with this Avenue where I'm going down? Do I want to pursue it or just give it up? Cause you, you can't be a half, no. yeah, you know, part-time fighter. You, you're either all in or you're not. And you know, people have jobs too, but um, I was like, you know what? I'm going to give it a go. I don't love the job I'm doing right now. Um, I'm making, I think it was like a thousand bucks or 1200 bucks. They were going to give us a month. I was like, I'm going to quit. I'm going to live off that for as long as I can put shit on my credit card, you know, and see where it takes me. And then, uh, it, it was to the point where, I mean, I was, there was five months there and I was just putting stuff on my credit card and barely making anything or fighting. And then I got on the ultimate fighter yeah. and you don't make anything in that show. You made 500 bucks a week. You know, I would send back. And, uh, um, after that, you know, and then I went to the finals and then I won the you finals. Won. Right. Right. And everybody's like, Oh, you're set for life. Well, blah, they blah, say blah. six figures, but it's over. Th Dude, I made 20 grand for that fight, yeah, right. you know, and I had, so I had a couple hundred bucks in my checking account at that point. Um, but I, I had that 20 grand check and we were in Vegas, you know? And so, um, we were stayed a couple of days after that and party and I had to buy, borrow, uh, uh, money from Kyle Kingsbury to get oh, yeah. I was overdrawn, you know, oh, and then, shit. uh, just kind of went from there. And I, I just, I 
said it in myself. I didn't want to look back. Woulda, coulda, shoulda. I could have done that. I could would have been great if I would have tried. I just said, you know what? Screw it. I'm going to try it. If it works out, awesome. If it doesn't, at least I can say I, I didn't, you know, I tried it and there's no regrets. And so, um, you know, that was a kind of a, a weird couple of years there in that transition, you know, and I'm glad obviously that I, I stuck with it. Interesting about you. I was with you last fight week because you're speaking about your first fight and you're like, oh shit, I'm going to fight with somebody. I was with you for the last fight um, against Congo in San Jose and you're calm as can be before fights. Did you, when, at what point did you go from being nervous before a fight? I got to imagine the UFC with those, when you first started, I mean, it's a big. Oh yeah. I mean, you, you go, I mean, especially at the beginning, you're physically sick to your stomach. Like, I would imagine that's all. I felt like that your fight week, I couldn't yeah. eat on Saturday. I didn't leave my hotel. <clears throat> yeah. I mean, you go in there, you can barely eat in the morning. And then as it gets closer, it's even harder and harder. You know, I still get really nervous and everything. It's just about controlling it. I think you, if you don't get nervous and something's, something's off, I got nervous throughout my whole life in my athletic career, you know, career careers, as far as wrestling, anything I could be wrestling the most terrible kid out there. I get nervous. nervous, you know, for, so for me, it's, uh, it's kind of reflecting and looking back because fight week, that's a worst for me, right? You're like, okay, it's five days out, whatever. It's a long time. It's over there. Right. right? Then all of a sudden it starts creeping up until you're like, oh, it's three days out. Oh, oh, I'm fighting tomorrow. Right. And you wake up and you're like, I'm fighting another human being in a cage today. Right. You know, and, and it, it's not nervousness about, oh, what could happen? It's just like, I want to perform the best that I could perform, all that kind of stuff that goes into any athletic event. But I mean, yeah, you have a hard time eating the whole deal, but there, it never goes away. I just know how to control it now. You know, back in the day, I'd be, you walk into my hotel room and you'd be kind of white because you're just like, <laughs> you know, and now I'm like, well, I mean, we're going to do it. Um, this is a job. I'm getting paid well. Uh, this is what I want to do. I kind of go through a checklist. You know, I make a thing on my phone too, as far as like that I can go back and read. Yeah. You know, um, like before my Fedor fight, you know, it was more pressure than usual because I was right there. I was on the cusp of doing something that hasn't been done before, fighting one of the greatest of all times, you know, a lot of pressure. And I didn't want to be there and come up short in that fight and be like, man, I was right there. Right. You know, so I had a good, I had a good checklist in my phone. I just go back and read it and it, it was kind of, you know, boosting myself up, but right. they're all factual, you know, and then, you know, uh, stuff about him and everything else, you know? And so I go back to that stuff. Um, I always say, you know, I've had 35 fights. It's never been as bad as you make it out in your head. Win or lose, you know? And so it's just controlling that. And you'll see a lot of people can't control that. Right. And their shell of themselves in the cage. I've seen guys that are tons of guys. Amazing at training. Yep. And then it never transfers. It seems like in every, in every, it's sport, just really. the nerves. Yeah, it's the nerves. You go out there and all of a sudden the adrenaline dumps. It's different because you don't know that guy across from you. It's not a familiar face. And the guy's really trying to get you, you know? Right. And that's why I like to bring new guys in too. And where you get that nervousness when you're sparring, you know, before sparring. Instead, if you're if you're going with the same guy, like CB and I have been, you know, going together from ASU Wrestling back in Right, so you're never nervous. You, know? you don't get that. You yeah, need to replicate no, like, that. Yeah, he's a tough dude, but... I've been in there and, and fought with him or wrestled him how many countless times. And so it's kind of like, eh, whatever. But if yeah. you get somebody like Daniel Serapian that's going to come <laughs> and try to take your head off every single time, you know, you're like, you pucker up a little bit. Right. Yeah. The thing with the Fedor fight, which is interesting, because I was there for that fight week too, you worked that opening punch over and over and over, like fight week, I remember. Yeah. You know, and, and a big part of being confident and not being as nervous is knowing what the hell I'm doing. Back in the day, I'm not joking. Striking wise, going in there, I was a tough guy. I wrestled. You had the overhand right. I had, you know, a strong punch, but I had no idea what I was doing striking, which is crazy being at the top of the sport, you know. But um, as I developed my skills, got more confident, you know, and got the right people around me, it just it keeps getting better and better. You know, I now feel like I found that perfect storm. Right. You no know, experience. You know, uh, the coaches that are around me now, 
it's all it's all uh it's all just perfect right now so yeah that fedor fight we were practicing that punch mm-hmm. you know people are like oh it's a, it was a lucky just, yeah i no, read that like stuff we were, we were doing it over and over again over and over you know because he circles that way he keeps his hand hands down all that and so to go out there and perfectly execute mm-hmm. it in that moment you know um i was a light heavyweight champ already got invited to a heavyweight tournament where they were going to crown the champion that was the finals against one of the greatest heavyweight fighters of Ever. all time and to do it like that first punch in 35 seconds it right. was just an amazing one of the most amazing you know uh professional experiences i've ever had it was incredible career. I almost passed out. I was screaming so loud <laughs> up in the stands. I went lightheaded. I wasn't even fighting. Yeah. My father-in-law had to sit down during the national anthem. He was about to faint, you know. And so everything about that was was super cool. And the craziest thing about it is, I don't know if, if I'm desensitized to it or have done it too many times. Like right after, you're like, like you think about it before the fight, and you're like, it's going to be the greatest feeling ever if I win this fight, right? Regardless how it happens, you know. And when you're done, you're like, oh. Well, you're still just you. This is it. Well, what's next here? You know, it's just a weird, it's a weird, uh, weird feeling. Where does that drive? So anyone that's been around you, like we have, you have an incredible drive over anyone else really I see in that gym where you're there and there and there and they're like every day working, working. That's what people, the fans don't see. They just see you win and they're like, oh, like he's either lucky or talented or whatever, but it's really that work ethic where did your dad have that for you? Like, what was it drive your mother? Were they hard on you? Like, where did no, you? No, I mean, they were born that way. They were supportive, loving. You know, that's where I didn't come from a, a bad childhood or anything at all. You know, it was very supportive. They'd take me to uh, California to wrestle. You know, my dad was, you know, he wasn't hard on me as far, but he was always pushed me. You know, he would make me do those three mile runs, twice, which I absolutely hated. Right. And I would try to, I would try to get around that. You know, we lived in Reno, Nevada, and I that halfway point was running up this little hill that you could see from our house and then coming down. Okay. And I would go to the park sometimes, splash water on my face and come back. <laughs> oh, and I, one day I came back and looked and my dad had a spotting scope up on the, oh. on the mountain. <laughs> and he's like, how was the run? I was like, Oh, it was good. And he's like, uh, you didn't go up the hill. I'm like, Oh yeah, I did. Uh, I'm like, saw the spotting scope. I was like, Oh, I went up, went up the other way, you know? So he just made sure that I was doing the work, you know, that I wanted to do. You know, and uh, um, I think wrestling was a big part of that. You know, you put in the work to get a, a certain result. And if you don't put in the work, you're not going to get that result. Right. You know, other people in football and stuff like that, team sports, they can pick up your slack. Mm. But these individual sports, you can't. Same with MMA. I don't ever want to walk into that cage and be doubting myself because I know I didn't do everything I needed to be. I want to walk in there and say, win or lose, I did everything. I needed to do to be successful. And if it just didn't work out, it didn't work out. It's a crazy sport, but I'm never going to walk in that cage and say, and barring like an injury or whatever. Right. And feel like I didn't do everything I could have. Your conditioning is always on point. At least since we've known you and since I've seen you fight, have you ever gone into a fight where it's not? Where you're like, there's oh. a, yeah, there's a point in every fight when you're like, Oh man, I wish I did more, <laughs> you know, or whatever. But I mean, when you're fighting another human for 25 minutes, you're, you're going to feel like that sometimes, yeah. you know, but I always feel like if I feel like that, that's worse, he feels way worse, you know? And so, you know, I, I, I've always had that drive with, whether it's any kind of sport or whatever. And I think it's good and bad in some situations, you know, I probably drive my wife crazy sometimes cause I'm mm-hmm. kind of like, go, go, go. Um, but, um, I just, in this sport, like I was talking about, I don't want to, you can't do this part-time. You can't be half-heartedly in this sport. Right. Because there's people out there that are full oh, in, man. wanting to take your spot, wanting to make a name for themselves, you know, and, and where this sport is going. It's not that fringe sport anymore. Yeah, know? it's so mainstream. It's mainstream. People can get in and make a great career out of it, too. And so it's going to bring more and more people in. Is it worse now that you're the champ as far as people calling you out and trying to get your spot, you think? Uh, I never had a ton of people calling me out beforehand. But, yeah, well, you realize you do have you do have a target on your back. Right. You know, especially when you have both the, yeah, two both belts. the belts tied up. You know, you're going to have people you're going to have people calling you out. And, I, and I've said this in other interviews and whatnot. You know, um, people are like, oh, you need to defend the light heavyweight belt or whatever or vice versa i'm doing what bellator is asking me to do right you know they they asked me to come up to heavyweight and go through that tournament 
and they're going to crown a heavyweight champion. Cool, let's do it. Didn't know who was in there. Went in there, ended up winning that. They said, whatever happens, you're going to keep the light heavyweight title. Then they wanted me to defend the heavyweight after, so I did that against Congo, you know. So I believe I'm going to go down and – down to light heavyweight when my next fight probably in february and and uh defend, we'll that, defend one. that one and then we'll see where we go from there is eight man the greatest sponsor you've ever had <laughs> yes adam <laughs> hey the guy the guy's behind the sponsor is that makes all the difference or yeah. what <laughs> no yeah no it's definitely we've i've been pretty fortunate to have some great sponsors and guys i've been with forever you know and uh that's when I met with you guys. It was that same, that same, you know, it worked out perfectly yeah, too. Perfect. The transition to Bellator was right then. Yeah. You know, and you have people that are like, Hey, I want to put this on your shorts for X amount of money. Cool. One and done, you know, but I, I like to build relationships with, with people and right. sponsors like you guys, you know, and I have a couple other, you know, American F and all those guys have been around for 10 years, you know, now yeah. going out to South Dakota and all that, you know, so that's, that's what I love more about, you know, that whole, whole uh, industry of sponsorship right yeah you were hard to get because we first got your name and address through a podcast we were sponsoring randy harris the knockout radio and we sent those of you who don't know this we sent ryan a bunch of stuff and then he never posted it or tagged us obviously because he's a big time athlete tap out right there (laughs) (laughs) but then we were lucky enough to meet cb through tom lawler yeah and we went and did a private training session with cb my brother and i and then he was like, I can get you Bader. And then that's how that happened. Yeah. Through CB. I still pay him for it, too. Do you? Oh, yeah. We pay him, too. The guy's double he dipping. Double dipping. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> so, with your guys' first, uh, when you send it out, yeah, I got a, I got some crab cakes and eight-man strong box. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Yeah. From the, from the podcast guy. Yeah. Randy. From Randy Harris, yeah. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, the interesting thing. So when we first met CB, we want, I wanted to learn MMA. We had no idea what it, I just liked the sport. We were fans. And he brings us to that private gym. Did you ever have go to that gym of his downtown, Ian? Brings us in there, my brother and I, and he starts teaching us how to punch on a bag, which I don't I, – you think you know as a man how to punch, yeah. but you don't know how to punch. So we're like probably 20, 30 minutes of hitting that bag, like exhausted. And then I've never met CB in my life, so I don't know anything about his personality. Then he goes, all right, let's do some live goes. I don't know what the hell. I'm like, well, live go. Yeah, we're going to like test out your skills now. And then he just brings us out in the middle of the mat, and it's just you and CB on your feet. (laughs) Beats the hell out of you. (laughs) Yeah. And I'm like, okay, I don't know any wrestling or jujitsu, and all I know is how to punch. (laughs) He comes straight in, takes you down. Like, I tapped probably 15 times in about two minutes. Yeah. It was scary as hell. He's, he's got to let you know. You're That's like that, too, though, because you got me in the cage one time. I scared him a little bit. Uh-oh. He we, we It was supposed to be a joke. So, Ryan, we bring out the sponsorship check after you won the title, I uh-huh. think. And he goes, Bader goes, hey, let's get me slapping you on the face when you hand me the check, and I'll tell you to add more money to it You're next add time. Add zero to that check. So I'm like, all right, that's funny. Let's do it. So I give him the check, and then he full-on smacks me in the head. (laughs) (laughs) And then he goes, get your gear. Let's get in the cage. So I'm like, all right. So the You've been wanting to spar, though. No. Yeah. No. So he goes, come on, just after the camera stuff, he goes, come on, just come in the cage, and I'll just, like, teach. Because they're teaching me all the time. They're always, you know, how to punch, how to, you know, all different parts of MMA. So I go, all right, I'll do it. Because how many times you get the chance to get in the cage with the world champion, right? We get in there. It, you're ner- immediately when you're in front of a guy, especially a guy who knows how to fight and they know distance and they're fast. You're immediately you can't breathe. Like your breathing yeah. gets messed up. That that's the whole thing about going back to when you you feel that like yes, fight in your body. That's why people. I'm a flight guy. Yeah. I want to climb out of the cage. <laughs> I'm not a fight. So you're like you're holding your breath, and so a whole, you know he's trying to like yeah do the jab like this, and he's showing me, and it's pretty good for a round. But I can't breathe. I'm exhausted after one round. Then he tell, Ryan tells my brother, get the camera roll and watch this. Comes out in round two and starts laying it on me against the... I was just moving fast and kind of like... <laughs> the camera on. So yeah. no, it is on camera, right? <laughs> we can pull the footage. Yeah. I'm, t- I'm touching couple, him like uh, <laughs> decently. Because oh. well, I know he's freaking out, right? He's freaking yeah. out in his face. <laughs> he's just like... <laughs> 
<laughs> then at the end, he's like, I'm, I'm done. I'm done. Get away from me. Well, he hits me a couple times. I'm like, all right, this is not like normal sparring. Right. For me, it's like 100%. He's hitting me as hard as he can. Obviously, he's not. But to an average guy. Then I see him load up like an overhand and hit me with it like twice in the head. And I go, okay, he's just trying to be a dick. <laughs> and then I go, I'm done. This is it. Did that was the end of it. I had my headgear on, which you can see the footage. It's pretty hard. <laughs> the headgear does not help. It makes it worse. Yeah. I feel like. Well, if you have big headgear, you get hit more because it's, it's a bigger head. It's and it like target. rattles it around almost. Yeah. I, I like my headgear because it's like half Thin. inch. It's around. Yeah. But it's not. Hey, the, we go from that, then here we are doing a podcast <laughs> in the hottest room in the world. <laughs> oh, man. Well, our air guy was CV and you're a guy, so I don't know what happened there. It's We're not going to name coffee. names, but uh, it's pretty warm in here. But, yeah, you have that. So another thing about Ryan is he's the nicest guy in the world. He can't tell people no in front of them. He tells everyone yes all the time. Remember the guy with the welding and the bags in your gym, the welder guy you kept oh, telling yeah. yes to? <laughs> he welded you like thousands of dollars worth of systems because you couldn't tell him no. I know. So you have this I'm side of you. I'm getting better. Well, you have that side of you, but it, when it comes to the MMA or fighting, you are a bit of a bully where you want people. You're the alpha. No, I'm not, I don't think I'm a, a bully in that aspect, but I just don't. If you're going to be in there and if you're going to, you know, and obviously there's different levels, right? Yes. But if you're going to be in there, you know, Work hard and, and do the shit you need to do and show up. That's the biggest thing. People are like, how do I get good? At, how do I get in the UFC? How do I get in Bellator? How? You got to put in the work. And you got to show you. There's nothing I can tell you that's going to jumpstart you. Right. You know, you got to be in the gym every day and you got to be getting better. That's what I did uh, from when I was a kid. I've been wrestling since I was seven years old year round. But everyone knows you're the king in there. You let them know. I've seen it. Well, not, it's, not about, it. it's not about that. It's just uh, it's. I, I just hate when I see, like, guys in there or whatever that are posting on Instagram, like, this is my year, and um, Wolf and Tiger and, tiger. you know, all, hey, this, man. Yeah, all, this, all this shit about <laughs> what they're going to do, but then they don't show up. You know, they yeah. show up once a week or something like that. You know, right. that, that is one big thing that bugs me. Like, if you want to be, if you want to be good at something, you got to do it. You, you can't just talk about it, you know, and so... I don't know. I always pride myself on trying to be the hardest worker in the room and all that. Um, and if you're going to be in, in there too, you know, I expect you to be at a hundred percent, you know, and, and give it your all in there and show up and all that kind of stuff. So I don't yeah. know. Lead by example in there. I've seen it. The first time we ever went to watch you spar was at the old power. We had met you here once. We yeah. came to old power. You were getting ready for your title fight with Bellator. Matt, was you remember this, Matt? Yeah, I was there. CB was sparring you first. You head kicked him, knocked him out of there. We can't show the film because they, all these guys told me they'd kill us. <laughs> you head kick CB. He goes falling down. They pull him out. They throw Seth in there. You liver kick Seth, and I've never heard sounds like this come out <gasps> of a person. Oh, my oh. God. He goes down. Then Bader's like, I'm training here so then grueler came in with the pads and bader finishes the round hitting pads and i was like holy crap well, yeah it's a different mentality like when like i sparred today right and we go in there i'm helping like cb might have a fight so i was helping him we were going pretty you know good and controlled and then i sparred like some other guys in there and it's kind of like oh, i'm messing around but when i'm in camp yeah it's this is a job right, right? and you have to be selfish and, and it is about me at that point, right? Especially 100%. if I have guys that I'm, I bring in and I'm paying them too, mm -hmm. you know that they're, you know that's their job, you know. And so um, it's just kind of one track mind, you know. You do your job in the cage. You let coach figure everything out. If they can't go, put in a new guy <laughs> in. You know? I've seen it afterwards. He's like, hey, you, you good? Whatever, you know. But <laughs> during that, during that, you know, Friday sparring, you guys have been there countless times. It's it's a. Uh, that's how you prepare for a real it's fight. It's intense. You, it's intense. Very you get in a real fight, you know, and usually there's other guys coming in on you. And what people don't realize, too, is you put in, it's not just you showed up on Friday. You put in three, mm. three sessions a day of work for how many weeks? And every Friday, you're like, oh, man, got to go in and get in a Fine. fight again. You know, I got new guys coming in. I'm tired. They're fresh. And, you know, 
And so it's, uh, it's one of those things where, you know, in camp, you get grumpy sometimes. You know, you got to be selfish. But it's full speed, though, full contact. It, oh, that yeah. was what was shocking in person. First, on TV, you never see the speed or the power. And then even in the, in the stands, if you're back 20, 30 rows, you get a sense of it, but you don't. But when you're standing against the cage, even for those sparring sessions, and you see how hard you guys hit each other and how fast you are, it's, it's scary. Yeah, I mean, if you're right on the cage, yeah. like even if you're at a live event, I'll go to some live events. I'm like, these guys are freaking crazy. <laughs> you're hearing those little gloves like, wah, wah, wah. Yeah. You know, but it, I mean, it's definitely intense. But in there's uh back in the day, we used to spar three days a week, whatever. You know, now wow. getting older and stuff, it's like, you know, like today I sparred, but it wasn't overly crazy. You know, I, I really don't spar unless I'm in camp. Right. You know, I keep my timing down, whatever, but there's no reason to. You know, it's not like I need it. Yeah. You know, to be successful. So um, I wait till my training camps and, you know, uh, prepare that way. But I've been doing it for um, almost 12, 13 years, you know. Right. And so kind of figured out what works, what doesn't. You don't always have to go balls to the wall. You know, well, with Seraphine, you brought him up. He goes balls to the wall mm -hmm. every time he spars. I train with him too. He does it whether you're a student of his or you yeah and then the last training camp the mountain i'm trying to think of his antonio yeah yeah he loves it too the more you would hit that guy or yeah he'd yell and get excited and be like so pumped yeah. up about like getting punched it was uh, unbelievable yeah, it's crazy yeah you know it's good to have those guys in um because when you're kind of down in your training camp and they're in there getting beat up too you yeah know, and you're like they're uh Attitude is contagious, you know, and so they're excited like, hey, about it. They're excited just to be in here getting beat up. <laughs> I should be super excited about fighting for, you know, world title or defending a world title, you know, and yeah. stuff like that. And these, you know, like Antonio, you know, he's a young up and comer, you know, and he wants to be where I'm at. Yeah. And he puts in the work. And, and I love to see that just like we we're talking about earlier, you know, and so it's we inspire each other in there. Um, you know, I try to inspire people you know through words and my work in there for example ethic. you know and and i get inspired by other people you know i see you know people go through camp i see their mentality change and their body change they're feeling good i'm like hell yeah you know i can't yeah. wait till i get in camp and you know that kind of stuff yeah the energy is important it's important like here at a company we're always talking about the people we bring in have to have the right energy and i'm sure it's even more important in a fight camp because bad energy or negative energy or low energy mm -mm. it'll kill everything people don't realize that Early it sucks in life. everything out of it, you know, or you start, you start thinking about them and <laughs> yeah, you know, right. The attention's like, on them. I, yeah. Why am I thinking about them and their negative energy? I'm negative now, you know? Right. So yeah, yeah. I mean, it's definitely having good people around you. Yeah. hundred percent. All right, man. Cool. First, you have any questions for me? I'm sure you're dying to ask me. Um, <laughs> what are you doing as far as goals? I know the company. For the company, you mean goals? For personal and uh, the company. Personal, I'm just trying to get faster on the mountain every day. Are you doing any more 100-mile races? Yeah, I'd like, like to. That? So, yeah, I didn't get into that early. But, a like, eight years ago, I used to do a bunch of marathons and then ultras. And I was I had done a 100-kilometer race, which is 62 miles. And somewhere in the middle of that, or towards the end, probably 50 miles in, I went into Rabdo. And my kidney started shutting down. And I, by the time I finished, I was in really bad shape. I ended up in the intensive care over at Scottsdale with uh, rhabdo. So I never... It eats your muscles or whatever? Yeah, so your muscle breakdown is so severe, it poisons your blood. And then your kidneys can't handle that amount of poison in your blood, I guess you describe it as. So the kidneys shut off. So I think my kidney function was down to like 50 or 40%. And your liver functions all off. So you feel literally like you're dying when your blood's poisoned. Like you feel like to have the flu terribly bad, but there's no vomiting. It's just like, yeah, you can't, like crap. it's horrible. So after that, I quit running and I started the weightlifting more intensely and gained a bunch of weight. Because I think I was maybe 170, 180 running those races in that range. And then with the weightlifting we've been doing, I, I've been up as high as 230, 235. Look, it looks like you're about what? What do <laughs> <laughs> you say? 155? This what? guy. <laughs> if I could kick his ass, I would. Like That's one thing we have just comment on the weight. I'm, two, I'm 202 today. All right, all right. I think that's what 
Rocky ways in Rocky 3, 202. Oh, I could beat up Mr. T and Thunderlips. Are you going to do another one? So I'd like to, what my goal always was, was the 100 miler. And I never got to do it. So what would you do the last time? 100 kilometer, oh, 62 okay. miles. Oh, gotcha, gotcha. So, yeah, I started training again. I've been running that mountain every day. I've dropped about 30 pounds. But mentally, it's very difficult because I still lift here with these big guys. And you hate to lose size and muscle and strength. So, like, I'm having a hard time letting myself go below 200. Like, every time I get to, like, 199, I start eating more. I start, I, I let you guys morning. know. I'm oh, I get so upset about it. <laughs> so, well, you gotta, well, if you're going to do it, you like, got, like you, you said, you gotta go. I got to go you, all then in. Then you can jump back up. You got to get that 100 mile. Coin. I want to do the 100 mile really bad. I got a belt buck with the 100K on there, but the goal was always a 100 miler. So, I'm definitely going to do it. Yeah, maybe you're inspiring me right now, Vader. Sure, there it is. That's what it's for. Look, it's all you need. What about goals for the company? So, the company, um, I, honestly, I want it. It's funny because you and I have a friend, Joe, in common who uh, does like therapy work on, on you physically and things like that, plus and, mental, and mental and energy and spiritual work. And so um, I always tell him, you know, he says the same thing. What do you want to do? I go, well, I want to be like bigger than Nike or be- better than Nike or better than Reebok. And, mm-hmm. and his opinion, well, you already are. You're already inspiring all these people. They're already writing you. So I guess... I, I need to like, I take my own advice and stop looking at numbers and things like that. My real goal for the company is always to reach more people, get more of those messages, get the message out to even a broader audience. And that's really what the goal is now. So it's hard to like quantify that though, as far as what would you call that linear thinking? It's hard to quantify yeah. it with numbers. Cause I don't think about the numbers now. I just think about what other sports can we get wearing our gear? Yeah. So different audience people see it. Um, and the, the numbers will come. The numbers will come yeah. based on the, the passion is to just help more people with the message, whoever needs it. So I would like to, though, as far as like business wise, we want to round out the line to be a full apparel brand, meaning like more lifestyle type items you can wear out, you can wear around, which we've done more of this year. But I like to even do even do more of that. We've talked about different types of shorts, maybe even like khaki style, more Mm-hmm. casual type wear in addition to just the workout wear. Um, and I think with that then, cause you get a bunch of people that love eight man. They're all in on eight man. I get the messages. They've spent three, four, five thousand $5,000 on eight man t-shirts over the life of the company. Some of our clients, which is incredible. So you have this audience that loves your brand, but you're not giving them the product to wear all the time. Yeah. Which we need to start doing more of. Yeah, no, I agree with that. That's a, you, you know, I like all like, the basic, just right. like the t-shirt I'm having on today. It's a small, you know, eight man strong. Well, that's the know. funny thing about the fight. It's not funny. It's obvious, but you don't know it. I didn't think about it till it happened with you guys. So our original shirts were like powered by rage, yeah. lift angry, which I still like because I'm not a fighter. But yeah. you guys that are actually fighters that can actually dismantle people with your hands, you don't need a shirt that says I'm powered by rage <laughs> or like brutality. Yeah, Like you already know you can do it. It's yeah. funny. So the fighters all love the basic logo tees, the pocket logo, like all the basic things, not the words. Yeah. Although you did you like... You know styles too, like when I was younger, I wore the Ed Hardy looking ones. Yeah, you know, yeah. Shit right. everywhere. Right. Now I wear basically yeah, darker small colors. stuff like this or just plain, just plain uh, colored shirts. I'm you know? like that too. Yeah. So I try to think of things that I would like to wear here to work. Now, obviously it's not really business dress here. I'm not wearing suit pants and things like that, but I like the basic stuff too. Like just today I have this little logo on my chest. I like to wear something like that around all day. I don't need a, you know, a giant logo on my shirt every day. So to round out the line, we brought in underwear this year. We've done more pants and shorts. We want to do socks. Um, That's really the goal is just to continue. That stuff's fun to me. I've always liked t-shirts and apparel and I've always been in it my whole life. Yeah. My mother would tell you sports wise, because I played every sport, basketball, baseball, football, soccer, swimming. I I think I've done them all. But the best part for me was getting the uniform. (laughs) You know, you'd go get to get the helmet on and you get your jersey number and like, oh, man. And I'd be like in the backyard in my uniform, like got two pairs of socks. Awesome. (laughs) So I've always liked the uniform and everything I do. I talked about that with you off the air here was. When I started fighting with you guys and learning, I shouldn't say fighting with you guys, learning 
technique with you guys. I couldn't wait to order the gloves and the yeah. headgear. You're <laughs> like a gear whore. Yeah, I totally just like I do like look. outdoor stuff. I want to have like the best of the best. I'm like, oh, I could use this here or, you know, whatever. Right. So, but yeah, no, I asked you that question because I, I assume a lot of the listeners, especially when we drop the first episode of the podcast, are going to be, you know, uh, eight man strong fans right. um, off of your social media, you know, and some of mine, all that kind of stuff. So, number one is get to, you know, they might know me or whatever, maybe not, but to get to know you a little bit, right. where you come from, and, Appreciate it. and the brand, where it's going, and what it's about. Now, do you think that Matt put in our our chip there to record this podcast? Yeah, absolutely. The whole time. <laughs> yeah, that's what you were thinking? The entire podcast. Whoa. I've been looking at the back of the board. Can I see <laughs> the memory stick well, in we there? We got it on video over here, What's so crazy. at least we have that. And is what? my mic on? He's, he's switching the switches Whoa. over here, Matt, and I'm like, what the hell? Go ahead. Put, push, a, push a button. Get it out of your system. No, Go ahead. Uh, what's crazy is I've been wondering the same thing. Oh, great. <laughs> this is our sound guy. We got the chip in, man. I, I was just see the record. We've, we recorded one hour, and this says 14H+, plus, so I was hoping that's 14-plus hours available on the card. So we should be <laughs> the, It's counting up, so that's yeah, good. Yeah, yeah. We should have, like, just tested five minutes with Matt instead of, like, an yeah. hour long. Yeah, we're I think good. We're good though. And we, we were good. Hey, all podcasts got to start somewhere. This yeah. is it. Yeah, the it. first of the best. First, of the, first of the um, the podcast, and like Adam said, we're going to try to have people on of all walks of life um, hear their stories. Yeah, maybe we'll have Matt on. Matt's sure got he's got oh, some crazy stories. Two tours in Iraq. This guy. Yeah. He would love to be on here. You want PowerPoint with right pictures? I'm on, right <laughs> I'm on it right now. <laughs> yeah, Matt's oh, probably man. got real stories. Yeah, in case you can't see Matt, he's a 300-pound gorilla. <laughs> Legit. Yeah. He's like the actual ape man, like the we, model. We got to show your, uh, it wasn't you, but your road rage, the oh, other guy man. video. That's one of the That's most the fun, funny videos. Wait, oh, or is that the guy's window? The little tiny white dude comes out <laughs> yelling at him, and then Matt steps out of his, or the guy, like, legit keeps on cutting him off on the freeway. Right. Then they pull over, and Matt gets out, and the guy's thinking, holy hell, <laughs> what in the it's world like, did I do? What was the gorilla, like a Cambra? What was that guy? Uh, he came out of the car after him. Right? Yeah. <laughs> really, that's what it, what it is. It's like, he's like, holy hell. It wouldn't roll down the window. Yeah. Just, it wouldn't look yeah. at you. Matt has a pattern of this. So the first one of the first times we met Matt, or he was going to come down here to train with us, we uh, said, let's meet for lunch. So we're all at Fuddruckers eating, and Matt comes into Fuddruckers all fired up. And I don't even know him yet, but he's like this huge guy, all angry. And I'm like, oh, shit, what the hell is going on? He's like, oh. Some trucker cut him off getting off the freeway in a giant diesel. Semi. Semi. Yeah. And Matt chased him down to the next light, and then Matt got out of his car and <laughs> jumped in the guy's cab. He climbed up in the side <laughs> of the Matt diesel. The driver. The driver's driver. side of the passenger and ripped the guy's door open. <laughs> yeah, like, get the fuck out. <laughs> then he came to lunch with us. We are like, what? What are you talking about? Yeah. Yeah, man. It's, it's way better now. Oh, I was telling you yeah. that. We were texting that. And I was like, yeah, man, like, it's actually really stupid to do that oh, shit. Oh, yeah. Because how big Keep you are, too, yeah. people are going to be like, yeah. I have to shoot this freaking and girl. Yeah. Imagine, like, God forbid I got shot, got killed, cops show up, and they see me in the street, they're like, well, shit. Yeah, why were you climbing the guy's car? The guy, the guy feared for his life. Right, he fucking feared for his life. Yeah. I yell at Absolutely, people, too, you know? and I'm screaming. I do the same thing. I don't know why I do it's it. bad. I think yeah. they say because you're in already in a height, even though you do it so much. You're elevated. You're elevated already because you're driving right. a huge oh, machine, 90 miles so an hour. Mad. Yeah. Because people will flip you off, and it's like, yeah. you wouldn't flip me off to my face in, like, a restaurant. No, it's like, right. it's like internet, where they can be like, <laughs> yes. fuck you, Adam. You look so skinny. I bet you're 175 pounds, you know? But and, you say in you, person to you me. Get hit, <laughs> you get heated, and you're like... He wouldn't say it to my face, you know. It's kind that's of what that's I what road rage is too. Usually, they feel safe in their car, man. It's yeah, a little piece of glass. Yeah. But what we've recognized, you and I have talked about this, Matt, is being around these guys. We don't really know how to fight. That's a, one of the first times <laughs> that came out the powers. I like walk in and say, as far as like, man, these are like dudes that if I was at Sandbar and they said something, I'd be like, fuck you, what are you talking about? And then they'd and wrap then you up I'd in be, a pretzel. Yeah. <laughs> that's it. Like nowadays. And that's what's scary. A dude. lot of people are doing like jiu-jitsu and all right. that. It yeah. might look like the nerdiest, skinniest dude. but Choke you out. He literally dropped to his butt, butt scoot over and 
Tap break your break leg your or ankle. something. Yeah, right? 100%. Yeah, man, you don't know. You never know now. Yeah, I'm too old for all that. So I don't know yeah, why I chill. still yell at people yeah, you in get, the you car. You get shot or you get your ankle ripped off. <laughs> it's just not worth it anymore. I think I'd rather get shot than beat up by a nerd in the middle of every traffic. <laughs> at the mall. Yeah. <laughs> My kid's in the back. They're, they're on the, the second story. Is that dad down there? <laughs> the, guy from, the guy from GameStop is heel hooking him. <laughs> He's got him choked out. I'm like tapping in a fight. The, the hot topic girl comes out. <laughs> Yeah, so, uh, yeah, Matt. Yeah, I got the road rage, too. Noah's got it worse. Noah, Noah's not Noah's, on here. Noah, Noah does some things. Noah's had, like, the police come to his house about road rage incidents. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Were you here for that one? That was a few years back. I don't oh, remember I the whole story. I, I was just getting involved with a hit and run. Oh, yeah, you wrote me that. Yeah, so the person in front of me was driving, actually from the gym, which was funny because I had... Oh, we were doing gi jiu-jitsu, so okay. you, have, you know, pajama-looking yeah, yeah. thing. Yeah, <laughs> I had gi bottoms on, and I didn't have a oh, fresh shirt, shirt, so I had a... If a guy jumped out of a car wearing a gi bottom... Like, <laughs> Did you have I no shirt on? <laughs> no, I had, like, this 3XL shirt that I had in the office. <laughs> so you look super crazy. I was just weird looking. My hair's all crazy. <laughs> oh, Jesus. And so all of a sudden, the guy in front of me slams on his brakes. I'm like, oh, must be a red light, whatever. Then I'm kind of farther like farther than usual behind because I'm like, there's no light here, is there? And I'm like, oh, thinking about getting the next lane. That guy throws in reverse. I see his light. And I'm like, oh, no. So I look behind me. There's a car I can't reverse. He comes and smashes me. Backwards. Jesus. Backwards. Like, look at my truck after this. He smashed my bumper in. Then he just takes off. I'm like, and then I see he hit somebody else. Oh, oh he wow. hit someone in yeah, front and in then front. came back. And I'm like, hell no, not today, right? So... <laughs> Getting chased down by the world champ now. Yeah. I'm, we're going like 70 down Sossaman. <laughs> and I, I dial up 911. I um, I was like, I'm not going to remember this license plate. So I started just like, right when she answers, I'm like, whatever. <laughs> nine, four, nine, two, five, three. And she's like, what? I'm like, four, two. I'm like, write it down. She's like, okay, I got it. What's going on? I'm like, hit and run, blah, blah, blah. So I'm following this guy. And he takes her right in the neighborhood. He gives me like the kind of egging me on. Like, come on. I can't see him, but I see his arm out the window. Yeah, yeah. And so I'm like, oh, here we go. What's going to happen here? So we're in Arizona, right? So I have my, my gun out just in case we get a gunfight in the cul-de-sac. <laughs> Whoa. This is going what's down going for on? And then I'm following, and I'm like, do you want me to keep following? And they're like, if you can, what's okay. we, have, we have dispatch. Because I wanted that to be sure, like, in case all of a sudden he stops, he gets out of his car. Right. Shooting defend, at me. Yeah, I'm like, yourself. it was okayed by dispatch. And so I'm going, naming off roads and all that. Then he started getting real crazy, and I'm trying you know, they're on you. Like, what road? I'm like, I don't know. Like, right. Annapolis. So like, what, <laughs> you know, what, what direction you're heading? I'm like, I have no idea. Right. And so anyway, he starts going 65 in the neighborhood. Oh, that's I didn't want kid. him to hit yeah. the kid or something. So I let him go. Then I had to go and meet the cop at, uh, at CVS. But I hop out with a 4XL <laughs> t-shirt and gee pants on. I'm like, wait, this guy was looking for this shit. This guy went out <laughs> looking for his shit. I'm like, hey, sorry, officer. Just came from a, a training session. I was a training. I'm yeah. a jiu-jitsu <laughs> specialist. Okay. But anyway, that guy got a, the cop got a call from the, the person that he hit in front, right? Yeah. That originally started it. Then he got another hit and right. He, the guy oh, hit he somebody left. after me. Oh, shit. So he hit that car, hit Took me, off out of that neighborhood fast and, and hit someone hit somebody else. else. And so he had three calls. And he's like, these are all related. It's the same car, same description. Um, Did they catch this guy? They went, they had his address because I got his license plate and I got a report for my insurance or whatever. Driver is still unknown, but they went to the guys oh. who owned the, the, went to his house that owned the uh, uh, car that, that right. was hitting everybody. But. That's as far as we got. That's a little story where when wow. you do that, you ditch the car and then run home and then say your car got stolen. That's Probably. That's the move. Yeah, oh, someone stole my car. So I go back back home and my five-year-old is like looking at it and whatever. And he's like, like, yeah, you know, they, the cops are going to have his address or whatever. And then for the, the whole weekend, he's like, let's go to that guy's house. <laughs> we'll awesome. go up there and I'm going to call him a jerk. You call him a weirdo. I was like, all right, deal. Yeah, you got him. Your son. Yeah, the crazy one. Rocket. Rocket, yeah. yeah he he told me, he's always going to whip my ass Yeah, the he first goes time to I the biggest him. guy you could find and tells him. <laughs> he's crazy, that kid, he's already, crazy. man. Rocket does not play games. No. Where does that come from? Were you like that? As you a kid, You seem no. more like you were like your older son. Yeah, no, I was, I was like, I was kind of shy, you know, the, as a kid, I think everybody kind of is, or whatever. Not but. Rocket, man. No, Rocket will, he'll get it. 100%. 
Just right. an FYI, what card is recording? Because now it says thirteen hours left, and we're just at an hour. It's a highly professional so podcast. The whole time, we, my mind's on the card. We're, we're, we're Dude, working I the kinks out. I was too. <laughs> I was like, wait, that's a really long time to fit on one little card. No, but it's good, no, man. We're good, man. We're good. We're so, uh, good everything. How long are these podcasts? About an hour. I was trying to shoot for. Yeah, I was going to try to keep it. Shorter, thirty to forty-five minutes. We went a long time today, though. It's the first because I figure, like, how intro. long do people when something's like two or three hours? I never finish it yeah. personally. Yeah, you got twenty, thirty minutes in a car ride to work or whatever. You might listen. Yeah, no, agreed. I don't have know. A guest on, you guys will be. We we'll have to. Yeah, I mean, keep it under an hour. Yeah, but you know, twenty, thirty minutes it goes by real fast. But yeah, it goes quick, especially yeah, with our awesome storytelling. True, that did go fast. But anyway. Thanks right, for listening. Awesome. First episode. Appreciate it. Appreciate all your support out there. More to come for you three people out there listening <laughs> to the podcast. We're going to grow Our this moms. Thing. <laughs> our hey, mom. mom. All our family members. Thanks for listening, mom. <laughs> all right, cool. All right, man. Later. This episode of the Finding Strong podcast has been brought to you by 8 Man Strong. It was recorded at 8 Man headquarters in Phoenix, Arizona. Finding Strong and 8 Man Strong are registered trademarks of the 8 Man Company USA. All rights reserved.